Hey guys, how you doing? Good morning. This is Kenneth Foy, Pastor Foy, Dr. Foy. Uh, we're coming to you. We are uh, with the second advent. The second advent last week, we talked about the first advent, which was uh, the joy of the gospel. Today, we want to talk about the second advent, which is the love of the gospel message. And we just want to be blessed by it. Uh, I'm by myself today, Lady Foy, uh, Kenyatta Rutter. She is not uh, going to sit in this morning, so I'm going to be here. You guys are stuck with me. Amen. All right, guys. Uh, the second event, and uh, the topic is the love of the gospel message. The scripture that you need to follow in is John, the Gospel of John, chapter number 3, verse 16 and 17. Verse 16 and 17 of the Gospel of John, the third chapter. All right, and uh, we're going to open up with a word of prayer, and then we're going to read the scripture, and then we're going to dissect. Amen? All right, just... Father, right now, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, God, as we take a minute to just first honor you, God, acknowledge you, God, and God, as we get ready to present this message of matters of faith, God, God, that we understand the love of the gospel as uh, you meant it to be, and not as we think it ought to be, God, be with me this morning, God, as I share by myself today, and it's been a minute since I've been like this, but God, we know we can move forward in this week. Thank you for Lady Kenyatta and all that she brings to the table. God, we will miss her today dearly. Now, God, be with us, please. Be with us, God. Help us to present this to your people in a way that will be meaningful and real to them. And not only that, but also uplifting that they understand the purpose of the advent and what is set to remind us of. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God, our scripture reference again is the Gospel of John, the Gospel according to John. Listen what John says in the third chapter, verse number 16 and 17. He says in 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then in verse 17 it says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Thank you so much, God. Thank you so much, God. We pray your blessings upon this message as we dissect it to your people. Amen. Amen. Guys, we just want to read the introduction I have. Uh, technically, I read it last week. I'm going to read it this week, and I will read it two more weeks because we have four of these. Uh, advance. And we are in the second one now. The word advent means coming or arrival. The word refers to 
the four-week period leading up to Christmas. Thus, in Christian theology, the word refers to the coming or arrival of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Historically, the primary color of the Advent is purple, which is the color of penitence and fasting, as well as the color of royalty to welcome the advent of our King. This concept points to the importance of a connection between Jesus' birth and his death. Jesus' incarnation cannot be separated from his crucifixion. The purpose of Jesus' coming into the world was not only to reveal God's grace to mankind through uh, the life and teaching, but also through his suffering, death, and resurrection. Sometimes we forget about that, that, uh, that report thing. The Advent is broken into four weeks, with each week representing a distinct focus or thought. Hope was the one we talked about last Sunday. This Sunday, we're talking about love. And next Sunday, we're going to be talking about joy. And then the fourth Sunday, it'll be peace. Uh, at the end of that, that will be Christmas coming up, and we will bring a gospel message concerning uh, the gospel of Christ and all the gifts that he brings with him. He is a gift, and he comes with gifts. All right, the shift from purple to pink on the third Sunday of the Advent candle emphasizes a turn from penitence to celebration. That's what that joy is all about, to celebration within the season of the Advent. The focus of the entire season is to commemorate the birth of Christ in his first coming, even as we anticipate his second coming, his return. The second candle represents the love of the message that the gospel brings. In the dispensation before the coming of Christ, the prophets look forward to his coming with love. Now, because of the atoning work of Christ, we have love for the salvation from sin and death as we look forward to Jesus' return. All right, let's just get back to the scriptures. And again, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he did what he gave, his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not have, should not perish rather, but have eternal or everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now let's get into the message and see what God is telling us. In verse 16, it starts off with, for God so loved, I like that word so. I heard that word many years with the younger generation and uh, as I was coming up and 
being raised and and and, and mostly all the girls they would say oh he's so cute or he's so fine it's the emphasize so uh, was a word that emphasized well i want you to know it's still the same for god's soul love this is an adjective that describes width breadth depth and height in other words there is no limit to the love of God. God so love till he did something radical. He did something different. He sent his only begotten son to die for a people that possibly wasn't even worth dying for. But yet he saw something special in mankind and he wanted to provide a way that they can not only live with him, but live with him throughout eternity. He said that we should not, the believers should not perish, but have everlasting life. When he said God so loved, the word love, love is defined as an expression of affection for foundness, foundness, a warmth devotion or passion to God. I believe it with all my heart that God not only loved us, but he loved us passionately. The passion was the thing that drove him to come and die for mankind. It was because of the depth of his love for mankind. That what he created from the very dust of the earth, God found to be a treasure. And so, doing so, he came to do something to help the treasure stay intact, to help the treasure measure up to his worthiness or his true uh, 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 abundance of love and gifted and grace. He said he sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. That world word condemn means to criticize. God is not criticizing mankind, nor does he denounce mankind or accuse mankind. In fact, he finds no fault in mankind because of his love. He knew we are sinners, but he also knew before he created that he would have to do something in preparation for the ultimate salvation of the human race. Now don't get me wrong, everybody is not gonna be saved. Well, who's gonna be saved? I'm glad you asked. Only those that have put their faith in him and willing and dare to trust this Jesus Christ that came to do something for mankind that we could not do for ourselves. I got a note here, listen to what it says. God's love does not only come with purpose, but it also comes with intentionality. How many of you know that God was very intentional when he came down to sending his son to come down to earth and walk upon this earth for over 30 years and live with mankind and rub elbow with mankind, even as he prepared to die for mankind. Think about it. 
For God so loved. What kind of love that God can have? What kind of uh, infinity that God can have for a man that was made from the very dust of the earth? Something we don't want on our clothes. We don't want it in our houses. We don't want it in our cars. We wash our cars and cleaned it up dirt. And we was created from the dust of the earth. And yet God so love. It's kind of baffling that an almighty God who sits high and look low, who need no help in nothing because he's the all-sufficient one, but yet he created a man in his image after his likeness, and now he dies for that man so that the man can live. My God, commentary. This is probably the most famous verse in the Bible. So many of us can quote this scripture. It conveys in only a few words what Christians truly believe. For instance, it tells us the primary reason why God sent his son to die on our behalf. There are several reasons why God did this. He did it because he is a fair integrity, a God with integrity that had bona fide, genuine love for us. If people do wrong things, they deserve to be punished. So Jesus suffered that punishment in our place. Let that resonate in your head. He died so we might live and live a healthy life before God, walking circumspectly before God as sons and daughters of God. He did it because God cannot accept us if we continuously sin. We can't live in sin and be part of him. So he sends his son to die for us. All of our sins goes on him so that we can have a bona fide, genuine, healthy relationship with God. Think how awesome that is. But Jesus, who never sinned, he took our place and died on our behalf. When we believe this, we receive Jesus Christ's righteousness as our very own. So when God looks at us, he actually sees Jesus' righteousness instead of our sins. Thank God for Jesus. Notwithstanding, this verse emphasizes the primary purpose why God sent his son to die. It was because God loved us so much. Get that in your spirit. Get that in your mind. Let it be on the front of God has a bona fide, genuine love for mankind. Something he didn't even do for the angelic host who sinned. But he did for man. And it goes on to say, love is more than just one of God's qualities. It is also his nature. God is a righteous God. 
and he cannot send innocence to hell. And when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are then cleansed. So then we are then reckoned as innocent, as though we have not sinned ever at all. Now we know better because we know all have sinned. But isn't it wonderful to have the concept that God provided what we could never do for ourselves? That's because he so loved. He loved you. He loved me. He loved us all. God does everything because it is he that loves. God's love is never selfish. For he gave to us the most precious thing that he could ever give. What's that? Is it not his son? Jesus Christ, the Savior of the whole world. Let's go on. Eternal life does not merely imply life that lasts without end. Many people have miserable lives and are poor, hungry, ill, and suffer with pain. It would be hard or bad if this kind of life continue without an end. So God interrupted by sending his son. So we don't be agitated, frustrated with the end game that we all deserve. And that's hell. But eternal life involves the wonderful life that God gives to us by way of his son. Jesus Christ. He has given it to us now. Right now we can be saved. Right now we can be with him. Right now we can trust him. Right now we can live with him. We don't have to wait till we die. We can have a relationship with God the Father today. Right now. If you're not saved, you can be saved right here today. We'll talk about that some more. And he was given to us so now. It is his promise that we will live forever with him, even after this physical death. In eternal life, there will be no more death, no more sickness, no more diseases, no more enemies, and no more sin. Wouldn't you like to live a life where none of these things exist. You don't have to worry about dying. You don't have to worry about catching a cold. You don't have to worry about diseases. And you definitely don't have to worry about enemies. Because in heaven, you won't have any anymore. But the most important thing, you won't have to worry about sin ever again. God will totally deal with sin. Eternal life is God's free gift to us who believe. We cannot earn it. There is only one way to receive what God has provided. We must, and I want to emphasize the word must, believe, have faith in. 
To believe or have faith then requires more than just knowing that Jesus is our Savior and our God. Even the devil knows that. It signifies that we must trust God entirely. Only Jesus can save us from the results of our sins in this world. We must obey him and we must believe that he gives us power to overcome our problems and change our character and nature. God sent Jesus to rescue us from the results of what sin could do and bring to our lives. He did not send Jesus to punish us Notwithstanding, that does not suggest that everyone will avoid or escape punishment. That is our choice, your choice. Make the choice. What would you do with the man Jesus if he came here for this purpose in this realm? In this realm. This is our choice. Jesus is the essence of light and life. But some of us continue to sin out of love for darkness, evil, yeah, even the devil. However, other people become Christians because they choose Jesus, which means they choose change. They do not desire to hide their sin anymore. But instead, they make a conscious choice to obey God and yield to his word and his will. That's all God requires. If you can have faith, you could be saved. And all of it he does because he's so Love mankind. My God. I want to take a minute and share three things that God love does for the believer. I need you to take a pen, write it down, make it plain, understand that three these things I find is appropriate in scripture. Number one. God loves reveals. His love reveals. It shows things. In other words, reveals me to uh, expose, uncover, to show or unmask and display. God wants us to have the absolute confidence in the work, the finished work that he provided through his son. Jesus Christ. I back this up with scripture, Romans, the fifth chapter, verse number eight, that say, but God commended his love towards us in that while we was yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get righteous. He didn't wait for us to get ourselves together. And listen to me, you shouldn't be waiting for you to get together. I hear a lot of people say that I, I want to accept God in my life, but I want to make sure I get right first. 
where you can't get right first. Why? Because you're not right at all. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So God reveals to us that we can have eternal life with him if we connect with him. If, if, if he commended his love towards us so much while we were sinners, why wouldn't you love yourself enough to make the right choice? Come on, is that not insane for somebody to set you a rainbow with a pot of gold on the other side and you refuse to walk over that rainbow to get to that pot of gold, even though it's in your proximity and you can have it freely, authentically, because God loves, reveals how much he cares for us. He commended his love towards us that while we were, yes, sinners, he died. He didn't wait till we tried to get righteous. That scripture also says, scarcely will a righteous man, will a man die for a righteous man, less than on a sinner, who would die for somebody that's done so much wrong. But yet, this Jesus reveals the true nature and purpose of his love. He came with the intent to die. Who does that? He has never tasted death before. He don't know what that's going to be like. That's why in the garden you hear him saying, Father, take this away from me. You understand? But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, your will. Jesus did not want to take the sins of the whole world. He has been righteous all throughout his existence, throughout eternity. But at last, he's going to know what it means to get dirty. And who is he getting dirty for? For mankind that ultimately the majority will reject what he done. But there are some that will receive it. And God reveals it so that they can know they are absolutely safe in him. But there's a second reason. Not only God loves revealed, but God's love imparts. In other words, to impart, it means to give, add, provide, create, convey, and disclose it. He used 1 John chapter 3 and 1. And listen to what he said. We just talked about this last week. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us who believe. That we, the believer, should be called the sons and daughters of God. Therefore, the world knows us not. Why? Because they didn't recognize him when he revealed himself to the world. Most people reject Jesus Christ because they have not 
been revealed. It has not been revealed to them. They think the gospel message is nonsense. They think all this talk about this one person that saved the world is foolishness. They think, but that's the problem. Man thinks, and who can outthink God? Can you do with that? All oh, you're smarter, wiser than your creator, your maker, the one that sit high and looks low. Come on now. So God's love imparts in us. It adds to our lives. It gives to our lives. It provides for us. It creates a better person within us. It conveyed that we can have a bona fide love for God and live for him with the help of his spirit living in us. Because God's love not only reveals, but it imparts. It leaves something inside of us that we can go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And in, 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 in John, when he said, Behold, you know, last week when I talk about this, I shared this, which is the same. And the word behold means check this out. Watch this. Pay attention to. Or how awesome is this? Talking about everything that God provided. And when he talked about the manner of love, he's talking about the style, the method, the technique, the procedure, the process, even the approach on how God presents us with his love. So behold what manner of love, love that, that affection, enthusiasm, passion, deep feeling, devotion and concern for mankind is the reason why he imports in us. Not only that he imports in us and one talks about he reveals to us, but the third thing, God's love defines. It defines. The word defines to me, it, it describes it explains, it distinguishes, out, outliers, and identifies. You know, we as Christians, we are the outliers in this world. There are more that will go to hell than ever that will go to heaven to be live eternally with God. So, not only does his love reveals, not only does his love imparts, here we can trust that God's love defines us. Here's the scripture that he gives to help us understand that. Herein is the love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins, a substitute, a sacrifice for our sins. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. Blood had to flow. Blood had to be broken. 
and blood had to be shed. But not our blood, but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, how precious is that flow huh, that protects me, that keeps me, and provides for me. His love defines, God's love defines who we are. I'm a child of God. I actually can get on my knees praying while sitting on the lap of my father all the time making my request known unto him. Herein is love. Not that we love God for all his sin and falling short of his glory, but that God has loved us. And why? That word petitiation, it means to appease to settle. See, sin has a, 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 has a burden on it. It has something that it has to be paid for. You can't sin and everybody go away sinless. It won't happen like that. There is something that has to take place for your sins to be covered up or forgiven. And it's covered up by the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So the word petitiation, it talks about to appease what the devil demands, and that's death. So instead of us dying, God sent Jesus so he can die in our stead. Not only to appease, but to settle. God had to settle that thing. You see, without the blood, there's no shed, there's no shedding of blood where there is no forgiveness of sin. In other words, God had to sin, but that the devil requires that all the sins in the world, well, really, debt requires that that matter be settled. And not only petitiation means to appease or to settle, it also means to calm us. How many of us know? When we're in Christ, we can live more calmly. And it's not because of us, but it's because of the assurance that he provides for us. It's because of the protection that he warrants us. It's because God's love can be penetrated or redirected. Not only a peace, settle, calm, Ah, but it resolves. God's love for us resolve the issue of the punishment of death because we all have sinned. It resolves a particular demand. That demand is that sin demands that something die. Sin's demand. That something died. And, and we all owe sin. And so we all are subject to die unless we yield to what God 
through his son Christ has provided. So not only does it demand, but it mandates that in the end, something has to die. But if Jesus Christ died for us, then all of us, we live because of him. Come on now. Don't you think we owe him something? And that's why we live righteous. That's why we walk up circumstantially before the law. It's simply because we know we owe God. And out of that appreciation of what we owe, we yield to his word. We yield to his will. We yield to his way. And lastly, not that, not only does it mandate, but petitiation means that sin, that was a requirement of sin. Even in the Garden of Eden, nothing never died, but the first man that sinned with his wife, something immediately had to die. Blood had to be shed. An innocent lamb died for a guilty man. Wow. How you feel about that? Guess what? That was a true lamb in the Old Testament. Just as the lamb of God came in the new. And we call that lamb the lamb of God, Jesus Christ himself. Guys, the last thing I have you keep on the forefront of your mind in the second event is God so loved. He loved. Will you not accept that love? Will you not yield to that love? Will you not give in to that love? Will you not preserve that love? Embellish it. In that love. Knowing with all confidence. That you have protection. You know. We buy cars sometimes. And we get that extra protection. For stuff that we know possibly can go wrong. But with mankind. God knew. Things would go wrong. So before he even created. He had already made a plan that would commandate us, that would keep us safe because he knew that we would be a troubled people yielding to sin. Had it not been for God who so loved, we would still be people most miserable. Three things I want you to remember. God loves reveals. God loves imparts. And finally, his love is defined. Here I am. As Isaiah said, I can actually tell God, send me. I am a servant of the Most High God. And if you believe in Jesus Christ and trusted in him and put your faith in him, you are a servant of the most high God also. And if someone died for you, in your stead should not you live.
for him. This is why we sanctify ourselves so that we can be better people and serve at a better level of service. Bow your heads with me. Father, right now, I thank you for what you've done in and through the life of your son, Jesus Christ. God, that he will come and reveal his love, impart his love, yeah, and even define it that we can understand it better and receive it and know with absolute that nothing can touch us now because of that precious blood that was shed. For without the shedding of blood, there could be no remission of sin. The only thing that you have provided to reach us and deliver us from our sinful nature is the blood because of the love of you and your son for us. For you so love mankind that you gave your only begotten son to die for us. Now, Father, thank you. God, when we think of that message, when we think of that scripture, we smile because we know with absolute that your word is solid. Yeah, solid as a rock. Jesus is our rock. Thank you, Father, for your love that none of us deserve, but yet because we believe you have presented us with such a love. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. May we go on operating inside that soul love. May it become real to us. God, that we understand it and embrace it. Knowing in the end game, we are saved in your arms. In Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say, Amen, Amen, and Amen. God bless you. Amen.